1: evening, Los Angeles. Welcome to Love It or Leave It. <laughs> Live or else. <laughs> Top of the morning. <laughs> to everyone listening on Saturday, that's a St. Patrick's Day joke. <laughs> We've got a great show for you tonight. Josh Barrow has some incorrect things to say about daylight saving time. Ginny Thomas, tough booking, <laughs> is in the house and she's got some splaining to do. We have an American Zelensky. <laughs> Lenin Parm determines once and for all if the 1970s were sexy, and the hyperwheel turns once more. But first, let's get into it. What a week. <laughs> Donald Trump told the Washington Examiner this week that people would not accept Mike Pence as his vice president again should he decide to run in 2024. Mike Pence. He went from a bad hang to a good hang <laughs> to a bad hang again. <laughs> Trump's deal-making prowess is on full view. He's making a shrewd compromise with Republican voters who would prefer to see Pence publicly murdered. (laughs) In an interview published Monday, Ginny Thomas, wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, says she attended the January 6th rally but left before rioters broke into the Capitol because she got cold. (laughs) I don't think I brought a windbreaker instead of a fleece to the insurrection is the alibi she thinks it is. (laughs) When announcing Doug Emhoff's positive COVID test, President Biden said Kamala Harris would not be in attendance with a goof, which elicited laughter and a correction.
0: there have been a little change in the arrangement who's on the stage because of the first lady's husband uh, contracting COVID. But uh... <laughs> I'm glad it was a mix up because that is a
1: weird way to tell Biden he has COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Russia placed sanctions against President Biden, Jen Psaki, Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden, among other individuals. No Russian Papa John's for you. <laughs> Joe Manchin told a room full of energy sector executives that they should expect a return on investment from politicians seeking donations or, in Manchin's word, mother's milk. Ugh. A phrase that made every actual mother's milk production stop worldwide. <laughs> it's tough, that phrase, mother's milk. Ugh. I don't know, yuck. Oh, give me mother's milk. Asking for money from these people. Don't talk about that. Sucking on their oil teats. I'm just saying that's you take it to its logical conclusion. That's what he's saying. <laughs> num 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 nums for Joe Manchin. <laughs> Idaho Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeechan <laughs> stormed off after a reporter asked why she would speak at a conference headlined by a known white supremacist. Let's roll the clip.
2: Fuentes, I don't. As I said, I don't know him. I he he's never. I've never met him. I don't know. You know what. Everything that he says or doesn't say is not, uh, does not reflect on who I am or wh- who the thousands of others that are participating in this movement.
0: You didn't bother to look up his name, or anything I didn't like
2: that. say
1: that. She's just saying she did not see his name. This week, Nancy Pelosi and House Democrats floated some new midterm messaging, specifically the slogan "Democrats Deliver." Unless they're delivering Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema to the ghost of Christmas future, I'm not sure it's really going to work. But if you ask me, I'm feeling something a little more timely. Gas in every tank. Puberty blockers in every lunchbox. (laughs) Controversial. Get the people talking. Unfortunately, unbeknownst to Pelosi, according to the New York Times, the White House had already tested out several new slogans, including Democrats deliver, which tested near the absolute bottom. When reached for comment, the absolute bottom said, Hi! (laughs) Doesn't mean a goddamn thing. <laughs> it just, we've invented a character and the world, the absolute bottom. <laughs> Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, she also had to explain what happened when the Irish prime minister was abruptly yanked out of an event following a positive COVID test moments after President Biden addressed the room.
3: Chuck had on a mask when he sat down, but then he, when he started to eat, he took off the mask and then the short voice right during the appetizer, uh, they took him called him aside. We didn't know why. But it was during the appetizer that they took him away.
1: The classic Irish goodbye. It's also like, that is the first line of the next great American novel. Forget Call Me Ishmael. It was during the appetizer that they took him away. I, I love it. A new study highlighting the rising threat of violence from incels was released Tuesday by the Secret Service's National Threat Assessment Center. Those stuck-up bitches. (laughs) After railing against critical race theory for months, Missouri Governor Tate Reeves signed a bill into law on Monday titled Critical Race Theory, Colon, Prohibit. The actual text doesn't reference critical race theory at any point, but it does prohibit teaching that any sex, race, ethnicity, religion or national origin is inherently superior or inferior, which is them being so thoroughly bought into their own bullshit that they're accidentally full circle and banning their own bullshit. (laughs) LGBTQ Disney employees and allies stage a series of walkouts this week beginning on Tuesday in protest of Florida's Don't Say Gay bill. Some employees walked out for several hours, but the ones with FastPass were back at their desks in 20 minutes. (laughs) This is pretty cool. Good to get more protests in that way. It's extra. It feels unfair. It's, like, weird. Like, it's supposed to be a happy, magical place, but there's still just rapacious capitalism inside. Noticeably absent from the protests were Chip and Dale, who were in Provincetown. (laughs) Dolly Parton declined her nomination to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as she is not a rock artist, but says the gesture has inspired her to release her first rock album. Kind of a fuck you to give the nomination to Jolene instead, though. <laughs> Tom Brady announced his decision to unretire after two months and plans to return to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Brady explained, Maybe this is all the concussions talking, but almond butter smoothie. We don't know if we can do- say that, but we know we have to say it now because in 15 years we definitely can't. <laughs> and maybe we still can't now. I think we create enough of an ironic distance, you know? I think. What do you think? Yeah, we're leaving it that. <laughs> Look, in fairness to Tom, I've also had difficulty walking away from an all-consuming pastime that makes me a stranger to my family and causes brain damage, which is Twitter. <laughs> New reports confirm hotter temperatures due to climate change will extend allergy season in both the fall and spring. Fall and spring allergy seasons are going to meet in the middle like high school sweethearts who went to two different colleges. Still waiting on one news report, one ever, that says climate change is causing something cool, like better chocolate or more parrots. Every change is bad. What are the odds of that? It's never one unexpected side effect of climate change is apples are doubling in size. It's always jellyfish ticks and hay fever on Christmas. Bullshit. An Ecuadorian frog who was thought to have been mute since it was discovered 100 years ago was finally discovered making vocalizations that sounded like a cricket chirping, said the frog on its 100 years of silence, maybe you should have, I don't know, stopped talking for five seconds to ask me a question. <laughs> we actually have audio of the frog vocalizing for the first time in 100 years. Can we play that clip? Hello,
4: my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime Baby,
1: my heart's on fire. Cool. In a shift away from their main business of movie theaters, AMC bought 22% of a Nevada silver and gold mining company. Classic synergy. That's it. Dakota Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) AMC deciding they're going to buy fucking gold mines really reminds me of a rule that I have noticed in the version of capitalism we all experience, which is if there is a restaurant that has a food item in their name, at some point, they will have no choice but to change their name to sell something else to keep growing. I International House of Pancakes has to become IHOP. Boston Chicken has to become Boston Market. No matter what it is, if you make a food item that's so good, you get to open 5,000 restaurants with that food item in the name. Whatever your core thing is. If you become the most successful business in the world and making that one fucking taco, they will tell you at some point this campaign has to be about how we're not just tacos. <laughs> Dakota Johnson will be co-starring in Marvel's new film, Madame Webb, which is part of the Spider-Man universe. The villain will be Ellen. On Tuesday... <laughs> On Tuesday... On the Today show, Hoda Codby and Maria Shriver introduced the world to the dating concept of oystering or dating as if the world is your oyster. That's real. Let's just introduced the concept of optimism. <laughs> Welcome to Today show in the third hour, optimism. What is it? How do you get it? Oystering. Approach the raw bar at your own risk. Oystering is not to be confused with clamming, a new trend where you share nothing with the world and die alone crawling on the ground. <laughs> Another option. Now let me let me let me get this straight. You date and you're hopeful about it. We're going to name this something very obvious. Oystering. <laughs> what a culture. We're naming being happy after a bivalve. <laughs> Snack manufacturers are responding to record inflation by reducing the size of their prepackaged products with Frito-Lay confirming that there are about five fewer chips in your standard bag of Doritos than before the pandemic. <laughs> I want everyone here to reflect on the fact that we have talked about so many dark and terrible things in the world and that is the fucking first one you people booed. Think about what it took for you guys to hiss and boo. Tom Brady and fewer Doritos in the bag. You're the problem. We're the problem. In a great way. In a great way. In a great way. We all need five more Doritos? Come on. Come on. I'm so mad about when they changed cooler ranch to cool ranch. We were moving in the wrong direction. We should be striving as a culture, as a society, for the coolest ranch. A ranch that is only theoretically possible. A ranch that is zero degrees Kelvin. A ranch where all molecular motion has halted. A Chick fil A in Santa Barbara might be deemed a public nuisance due to its long drive through lines. Like, sure, I make several trips a day in different cars wearing various wigs, but a public nuisance. Any Chick fil A, it is a hazard. Highland and fucking... It's nuts. You can't deal with it. The whole fucking city is shut down. How much of our traffic is due to these goddamn Chick-fil-A's? And also, being in the line sucks too. Because sometimes at these Chick-fil-A's I've read in my books, (laughs) those Bible thumpers at Chick-fil-A HQ... They know what they're doing, and they pick corners, all right? They pick corners, which means two entrances. You pick the wrong entrance, you look over there, there are people fucking sliding in. You've been waiting there for 15 minutes, hypothetically. But the lemonade, though. But the lemonade, we're not drinking lemonade. I'm not doing lemonade calories. Diet Coke or nothing. I do not have a single calorie in my day in liquid form. I save them for fucking solids. (laughs) caloric drinks not on my watch. (laughs) Lemonade is a cookie, a cookie is fries. (laughs) Now that should be the democratic slogan. (laughs) And finally, (laughs) a lead coffin believed to date back to the 14th century was discovered under Notre Dame Cathedral as builders repair the landmark following the devastating 2019 fire. We don't know what's in the coffin, but we know it has been slow cooked to perfection. (laughs) When we come back, marital injustice. And we're back. On January 19th, the Supreme Court rejected Donald Trump's attempt to block the January 6th committee from obtaining his records that relate to the Capitol riot. Justice Clarence Thomas was the only justice to dissent. Completely unrelated, Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny Thomas, currently a lobbyist, is a vocal proponent of Trump's attempt to undermine the 2020 election and has worked with scores of far-right conservatives against, in her words, the deep state and the fascist left and, on the day of the riot itself, posted Facebook statuses, including the phrase, I love MAGA people. Despite all this, Ginny Thomas denies that she and her husband's career paths have anything to do with each other. Now, I'm not saying Ronan and I have never collaborated on anything. We have, but it was about raising a golden doodle. I did most of the work. (laughs) And I understand spouses have different interests, but if my interest was overturning a presidential election after decades of conservative activism, I feel strongly that Ronan would consider that a (laughs) deal-breaker. Probably. (laughs) Here to answer the tough questions about how she sleeps at night, welcome to the stage none other than Ginny Thomas herself. (laughs) Ginny Thomas knows how to make an entrance, obviously. Hi, Ginny.
4: Hi. (laughs) Sorry, John, I didn't mean to steal your thunder, but I got a a makeover from this fancy man in Florida because we can't say gay. (laughs) We can't say gay. Sorry, John. Didn't mean to steal your thunder
1: like Joe Biden stole the election. Already with the stop the steal rhetoric, which makes sense because you admitted this week in a new interview, that you attended the January 6th protest, but you claim you left before the Capitol riot because you got (laughs) chilly. I mean, it's January in D.C.
4: (laughs) John? (laughs) Can you imagine me, a 65-year-old woman, smashing through the barricades with all the other 65-year-old... Women. I mean, I feel like white should be in there, but and men who stormed the Capitol, seeing the culmination of our collective dream made real. Sigh.
1: Well, uh, it's a younger woman's game now, John. So nice to see you. This is a dream come true for me.
4: <laughs> Not me.
1: <laughs> While I think it's insane that the spouse of a sitting Supreme Court justice would be involved in attempting to undermine a free election on any level, I do appreciate you coming on the show to explain yourself.
4: <laughs> oh, I don't have to explain myself.
1: Oh, God, no, John.
4: I'm here to talk about how to have a long, healthy marriage.
1: Oh. <laughs> My people... <laughs> Must have gotten confused about the topic. I don't think so, because your people sent me a Capitol riot souvenir trucker cap. It had a game of hangman on the front, and the letters were M, K, E, P, N, and C.
4: That's a lot of letters, John, (laughs) but... Because I know you like games and puzzles, thoughtful gifts are always a great way to remind someone you care. That's my two cents.
1: (laughs) You don't have to tell me about relationships, Ginny, okay? I've been with a hot, blonde, workaholic genius for a decade, and every year I get to go to the Vanity Fair Oscar party. Ugh.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't
4: uh, remind me that we're in Hollywood, John. <laughs> never has so, seen so many queers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> I can't even say the word <laughs> queer. queer. I am, my lips don't even f- uh, say the word queers. 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 Can we say that queer. here. Queer. We can say
1: it here. Okay. We're not, yeah, we're not oh, in, in Florida. Queers. Okay.
4: And get this: <laughs> when I was waiting for my Uber, I saw a man screaming on the street. That's horrible. It wasn't even into the Capitol Police's officer's face
1: wasn't even into a Capitol Police officer's face.
4: Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say. Uh, <laughs> because
1: you, lo- you, don't, you, you hate when people scream, but it's cool when it's into the face of a Capitol Police officer. That's your vibe.
4: Yeah, that. I guess that's what they wrote. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this country is going down the toilet. That's another rule. Never let your lover see you on the toilet, Unless that's your thing, in, in which case only let them see you on the toilet and uh, should you be, that's my two cents.
1: Jenny, please, this is a political podcast
4: What? (laughs) It is.
1: It is It is (laughs) And I'm not letting you weasel out of it You claim that you and your husband Who again is a Supreme Court justice Do not share your work with one another You said like so many married couples We share many of the same ideals, principles, and aspirations But we have our own separate careers Clarence doesn't discuss his work with me And I don't involve him in my work We're honestly supposed to believe that Two people married for decades don't talk about their work Their work, which is a shared fever dream of a right-wing hellscape? Ah,
4: why, of course, John. That's the most important relationship rule of all. Always leave a little mystery. Like Madonna says, life is a
1: mystery. Quote, you like Madonna? That's a funny...
4: Uh, No, I didn't say that out loud, (laughs) did I? Oh, no. Like the mystery
1: of who organized the January 6th rally?
4: Actually, I'll never tell. (laughs) Wink.
1: This is an audio medium. Thank you for saying wink.
4: <laughs> oh, and you know what? I just ruined your next line, John. No, I'm it's sorry. Good. It's good. I was vamping it's good.
1: for the crowd again. You, you love vamping. <laughs> Classic Ginny Thomas. Classic Ginny Thomas coming in here vamping, talking about Madonna. <laughs> Queers. <laughs> this is Obviously, this is Ginny Thomas. That's who's here. But I yes. guess you kind of like, you like to have a little bit of mystery because you like to... Uh, You know, make sure Clarence Thomas doesn't know what you're going to do next. You like to keep your man guessing.
4: Oh, yes. Back on script. (laughs) Wink. You gotta keep your man guessing. You gotta keep your man guessing, absolutely. Where's my elderly wife? What election is she working to overturn? Which reprehensible political lowlifes is she meeting at Charlie's Palmer Steakhouse? It's Mitch McConnell. Men enjoy the chase, John. They don't like it when you just pop it right on their plate. My two cents.
1: Excuse me, that is rude. I don't just plop it on the plate for them.
4: I've known you for a long five minutes, John. <laughs> you plop it on the plate. You plop it. Plop, plop, I
1: don't plop. I don't think that's fair to accuse me of plopping it on the plate for them. I don't even know what we mean. You can dance around the truth all you want, Ginny Thomas. Oh,
4: <laughs> like the dance Clarence and I do at our wedding. Like the Charles stand.
1: Ginny, I will remind you again. This is a political podcast. I don't know that we want your relationship tips. It's a political podcast. Barely. Let's look at the facts. (laughs) Last month, the New Yorker laid out the many, many ways you and your husband, a Supreme Court justice, crossed paths. You bombarded a listserv of his past law clerks with big lie propaganda. In December, you and 62 other conservatives signed an open letter to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy demanding Liz Cheney be punished for appearing on the January 6th committee. Not to mention, you've worked for Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA in a dark money faction for the Council of National Policy, which tried to pressure states to hire fake alternate electors. And that's just the stuff we could Google. Clarence Thomas has has ruled on some of this stuff. Do you not see the issue? What do you even talk about with Clarence over dinner if not this?
4: We eat in the most romantic way there is, in dead silence.
1: Well, the joke's on you, Ginny, because I knew you tried to duck my hard kidding questions, so I made you a game instead. This is the newlywed game, the Supreme Court edition. I hate games. Oh, no, that sounds wonderful. (laughs) First question. Where did your husband, Clarence Thomas, go to law school?
4: Morty's Law School in Tacos. I mean, Yale, Yale.
1: (laughs) Okay, next question. What year was your husband nominated for the Supreme Court? I don't know.
4: Oh, wait, no, he was nominated in 1990, confirmed in 1991.
1: Where did your husband, Clarence Thomas, think you were on January 6, 2020?
4: Uh, no idea. I didn't know yeah, if I was alive or dead. Thursdays, we'd do a nip of gin and play bridge.
1: Thursdays, they knew do a nip of gin and play bridge.
4: I know, Jitty. I'm, I,
1: I, I'm nervous. I'm sorry. There's a lot of people looking up my hoo-ha. This is serious, Jitty. You have working relationships with conservative groups that have cases going in front of the Supreme Court this year. You're on the board of the National Association of Scholars. Why? <laughs> 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 they filed an animal. They filed an amicus brief <laughs> with the court in an affirmative action case against Harvard. You were a paid consultant, Ginny, for the Center for Security Policy. Also, filed a brief. You currently own a lobbying group that features a quote on its website that says you can give access to any door in Washington. Don't you think it's unethical to do all this while your husband's on the Supreme Court? I mean, yeah,
4: no. Uh, <laughs> what are they going to do, John? Fire him? They can't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the first time we've heard you laugh. <laughs> Ginny Thomas's laugh is terrifying. And remember to
4: laugh with your spouse. It's important. My two sons. Good
1: grief. <laughs> Ginny Thomas, everybody.
4: My maiden name is Lamp. Isn't that insane? I'm a Ginny in right. a bottle. Get out of here, you Ginny gotta Thomas. Me the wrong Get, way.
1: Out. Get out of here. <laughs> Ginny Thomas, everybody. Uh, guys, give it up for Pandora Box. Yeah. Come on. Pandora Box is here. What a I'm dream. Sorry. You were wonderful. And Pandora Tr- will be back for uh, Hot yeah, Tip. Judy Bur- Thomas is horrible. I'm sorry. It's hard <laughs> to play her. Pandora Vox will be back for the Hyper Wheel. When we come back, my buttons get poked. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. (laughs) Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. (laughs) Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight (laughs) it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. (laughs) When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. <laughs> Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, "I just feel like I don't have the the, the attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues." And she's mm-hmm. like, "You've found a way to say that every session for the past five years." <laughs> If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm -hmm. Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love it. And we're back. This week was a nonstop onslaught of the worst case scenarios, political posturing, and of course, lead gaskets discovered underneath a cathedral. You just know they're going to open it too. They buried that person in lead for a reason, goddammit. They're going to open it. But above all else, you knew I had to talk about a topic that is close to my heart and even closer to my terrible REM cycles, daylight saving time. Joining me now, let's talk about it. Joining me now to discuss it. He's smart, he's wrong. Please welcome Josh Barrow. <laughs> Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. Come over here. Come be wrong over here. Okay. Come be wrong right there. That's where you should be wrong. Uh-huh. So let's start by giving people the update. Uh, we uh, yes. sprang forward. Yes. Yep. yep. And uh, people complained Isn't it about great? It. So Isn't it. great. It's so great. We love. We love Lovely, mail. Lovely late sunset. Love a late sunset. Yes. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there was news. And the news was, surprise, surprise, the Senate, by unanimous consent, that means 100 senators have to give it the okay, approved making daylight saving time permanent. Now, because Josh is uh, contrarian by nature, (laughs) he finds this abhorrent. He doesn't like this kind of bipartisanship. He doesn't like it when policymakers come together to uh, do something for people that they've requested. Uh, And so he objects to it. For a number of reasons, and I think we should uh, give him a a fair chance to explain them, which I've already begun to do. Uh, Josh, first of all, let's start with this. It passed by unanimous consent, but it seems like there may have been a little bit of a snafu here. Yes. Can you tell us what happened?
5: Sure. So, well, first of all, I, I'm not a contrarian because I'm defending the policy that already exists. All right. I'm saying that we should do the thing that we've been doing for decades. This is for contrarian. Decades. You are being contrarian about thing, my
1: calling you a contrarian. The
5: thing that other countries at similar latitudes do, they do this, I mean, people like to complain because people like to complain. And so it's like, oh, I had to move the clock. Can you believe? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm flying to New York tomorrow. I'm going to do a three hour time change but I'm not bitching about that and everyone's like oh my god one hour um, but no I mean this is, we do this if we do this every year and we do this all around the world it can't be contrarian mine mine is the conventional position you and the US Senate are contrarians for trying to change it
1: alright so back to the <laughs> fine yeah I'll yeah. be the contrarian yes. I like being contrarian too that's part of the fun that's why I think that Justin Trudeau is Castro's kid because I'm a contrarian <laughs> <laughs> Well, you just have eyes. I just have eyes. Yeah. And just to restate my uh, official position on that topic, because sometimes people get it wrong, my position is not that Justin Trudeau is the son of former communist dictator of Cuba, Fidel Castro. My position is it just hasn't been debunked. That's all. <laughs> I'm not here to debunk. I'm here to rebunk. Yeah. That's my only position on this topic. Yeah. And they look like. You know, <laughs> facial resemblance. Yeah. Back to the topic. You and
5: Margaret were in the Caribbean.
1: They were in the Caribbean. Yeah. They were in the Caribbean. They, they, the they Caribbean. took a second fucking honeymoon. And all these debunkers at the <laughs> Times and AP and Snopes, a thing we trust, having no other information, <laughs> ignore the second honeymoon. But we're not all talking about that. You're dodging the question. Crafty debater. He does yeah, left, yeah, right, yeah. and center. He talks to people on the other side of things. I don't. I'm real rusty. Let's focus. <laughs> focus. So it was bad. I don't debate, it's terrifying I don't want to battle on ideas Ew. Very masculine debate Yeah, let's talk out loud real quick That's how we get the best answer to things Stupid, debate is stupid Toxic masculinity, that's what debate is Fuck it, fuck it How about take some time, think about it Write down your thoughts, somebody else Take some time, write down their thoughts We go back and forth until there's a consensus Oh, that's what we already do And then a bunch of idiots are like, debate me, you fucking coward Debates are stupid, that's about quick recall That's not good Josh. Yes. What? happened. How did unanimous consent happen when it doesn't seem as though the Senate unanimously wants to repeal Daylight Saving Time?
5: Well, so unanimous consent requests are a thing you can do in the Senate. Because, you know, the Senate has all of these rules. and It takes weeks and weeks and weeks to do anything, and senators can block other senators' things all the time. But in theory, if you can just say, I would like unanimous consent to do whatever, and so long as no other senator says no, you can do the thing right away and skip all over those rules. But so mostly the way these requests work is they use them for, like, I have a bill and I want to make a show. of I really tried to to move this. And so it's right after we went into daylight saving time. And Marco Rubio, who's from Miami, uh, which has some of the earliest winter sunrises in the country. And so like, while permanent daylight saving is a bad idea that That's I think is it. really bad. A
1: contentious to discuss. Like, yeah, a to discuss. Okay.
5: Miami is one of the places in the country where it would be the least bad. Mm. And so it kind of makes sense, if you're Marco Rubio, that you would be for this. Now, I don't know why Patty Murray, who's in Seattle, where it's a really fucking terrible idea. I don't know why she's for it. But anyway, so Marco Rubio goes out there and basically says, you know, the sun sets way too early in the, in the winter in Florida, and so we should be on daylight saving time all the time, and I want unanimous consent for this. And someone was supposed to fucking object to it,
1: but nobody did. Because what usually tends to happen with these things is an email goes out to all the offices and says, this is going to be about to be proposed... And basically, by email, it's kind of resolved.
5: Right. And so the staffers, the legislative directors for the senators, are supposed to look at these emails and say, oh, you know, Senator, someone's going to propose this thing that you hate, so you need to go on the floor and object to it. But what BuzzFeed reported about this is basically those staffers sometimes look at these things and try to figure out, you know, is this really important? Does my senator care about this? And everyone sort of looked at, oh, permanent daylight saving, and treated it as some kind of frivolous thing. And so none of the senators who oppose it got their shit together to actually go and object. And apparently, Tom Cotton especially thinks it's a really bad idea. So I'm here to talk about how Tom Cotton is right. Yeah.
1: But Hey, 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 come on, come on. I mean, you you can't be wrong about everything. Josh is a guest here. (laughs) <laughs> Tom Cotton apparently
5: was not briefed that this thing was going to come up and so he wasn't there to object to it and Chris Coons was also talking about how he was very surprised that this thing had come up so it's there's bipartisan or, well actually Chris Coons I think he said basically I've never even really thought about it I don't know how I feel about it But so is let's the, book
1: Chris Coons <laughs> we can get him yeah. he's like a soft target he hasn't thought about it I can get him with my ideas <laughs> <laughs> so Basically, it's just like accidentally moved
5: through the Senate because nobody bothered to stand up and stop Marco Rubio when he tried to move this thing. So now, in theory, if the House were to pass this same bill, it would just go to Joe Biden's desk and he would have to veto it to protect the country from this terrible idea. So, OK,
1: now. All right. You've been you've been you've been throwing in policy points in this process yes. part of the conversation, which is fine. Sorry, is that against the rules? No, there's no rules here, obviously. Yeah. Uh, why do you think switching to permanent daylight saving time is a bad idea? Please, just briefly you <laughs> So what's good about
5: daylight saving time is that it, it's designed basically so that most people, for most of the year, can wake up not too far after sunrise. This is
1: wrong, by the way. Keep going. And I'm then attack this at a second. And,
5: and so it uses daylight efficiently. It doesn't actually like it was supposed to be about energy conservation. It doesn't actually wrong. save energy. Yep. That's not why we do it. Agreed. We do it because if we were on standard time all year, the sun would come up at like 4:24 a.m. in New York in June, which is stupid. Everyone would sleep through like two and a half hours of sunlight every day that we could have at the end of the day so you could hang out in Central Park at 8 p.m. and have it still be light out. So that's why we want daylight saving time in the summer. The problem is if you do it in the winter, then you get sunrises around like 8, 20 a.m. And then some cities, like in Detroit, the sun would come up around 9 a.m. Seattle, Agreed. sunrise, 9 a.m. That's too late. You're making people commute to work in the dark. They're sending their kids to school in the dark. They do get a little extra daylight at the
1: end of the day, but I see your do. point. Because, yes. Because the goal here is a policy in which... There are sensible sunrises and sensible sunsets, or really more to the point, you want to try to maximize having daylight in the morning and daylight in the evening.
5: You want to have daylight when people get up, but not too much before people get up, basically. Right, exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree with that. That's all correct.
5: Yeah, and um, I can talk about why I know people would hate it if we changed to have permanent daylight saving time all year.
1: Well, I know why people would hate it, because we've actually tried it. Yes, we've tried it. We've tried it, and we've tried permanent daylight saving time at a national level, and actually, especially in places on the western edges of time zones, people really don't like it. They don't like having really late sunrises, especially because of school start times. Yes. Now, there is a policy problem here, which Marco Rubio has also talked about correctly, brings me no pleasure to report, that (laughs) one of the arguments against permanent daylight saving time now is what about early school start times? The reality is we should reprioritize what time school starts because a lot of schools yes. start super early for very like kind of uh, quotidian budget regions and it's really bad for kids generally. That's fine, but first of all, we haven't done that. We haven't done that. But
5: then also, like, people have all sorts of reasons why they need to be up at a given time of day. I mean, I, I see sort of two sets of comments from people on Twitter when you say that you're going to make people wake up in the dark. One is like, well, wake up later. And it's like, okay, great that you're a writer or whatever, and you can sleep until 10.30 in the morning. I mean,
1: don't project onto me. <laughs> I run a business. No, yes, I don't. Yeah. A business is run around me. Or alternatively, people are like, well, I already wake up in the dark every
5: day. And it's like, well, that's unfortunate for you. But like, you know, it's a, a typical wake up time is something around like 6 30 in the morning, mm-hmm. 7 in the morning.
1: You're I an, realize you're in LA. Come yeah, on. we're, we're, we're Come with on. an entertainment crowd in LA. But uh, I, I assure you,
5: if you look at it like a nationally representative sample of people, they don't
1: care about that. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. I think everything you were saying yeah. is actually true. So I'm correct no 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 okay i think your argument against permanent daylight saving time nationally Mm -hmm. has a lot of merit yes because the goal is to not waste sunlight in the morning Mm -hmm. and also try to have a system where people don't have to spend too much of the year waking up and spending a few morning hours in the dark yes i completely agree with that yeah however the same reason daylight saving time nationally is uh maybe not a great idea is the same reason you are wrong on why uh the switch should continue nationally as well can we go to the next slide So this is a map of the United States. Yes. And so here is the key thing about this map. For those listening at home, basically it shows you earliest sunset of the year at local time. All you really need to know for those listening is what it shows you is that depending on where you are in a time zone, the earliest sunset of the year can either be earlier or later. If you live in Maine or you live in Massachusetts, the earliest sunset is fully an hour before the earliest sunset in, say, a state like Michigan. So you're absolutely correct. Permanent daylight saving time for a place like Michigan would mean there'd be mornings with incredibly late sunrises, yeah. and there'd be nights in daylight saving time with really, really late sunsets.
5: Yeah, which brings anyway, me,
1: like, where the fuck was Gary Peters this week? Like, in a motorcycle, having a fucking chill time <laughs> looking like a principal. <laughs> Your goal, and I agree with it, is to try to have a system in which people don't have too uh, late sunrises or too early sunsets. You want to kind of have a system where, for the most part, the sun's coming up about seven or earlier, right? You don't want this, the sun's starting to come up after seven; it's getting a bit late for a sunset. And you want sunsets to be six p.m. and later, right? When it starts to become five four thirty, that sucks. Right? I think you've put your thumb on the scale here. Yeah, that's right. It's my fucking show. You've, you've made your point. I'm going to make my point. Uh-huh. I agree with you that permanent national daylight saving time creates a lot of problems, especially on the western edges of time zones. Yeah! See? Congratulations. Your audience <laughs> agrees with you. <laughs> yeah! The point is, here is my policy solution, yeah. which is this. Currently, the Uniform Time Act allows for states to choose either permanent standard time, which is what Arizona chooses mm-hmm. or, and Hawaii chooses. And Indiana. Uh, I think not anymore, actually. Pete judge yelled at me about this, and then I forgot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I want is a system where states now have to choose between permanent standard or doing the switch. There is some evidence that the switch causes, increases heart attacks, and it causes increase in car accidents depending on which side of it. Now, even if you don't care about that, here's a larger argument that I would make about this. I know you don't care. You think people dying by the side of the road or collapsing in the morning on their way to the office. You don't care.
5: I saw someone being like, oh, like, we get 26 deaths from this or something. It's like we had a million COVID deaths. Which is not like, I don't care if people die, but it's Major, like, one, you know, one the, of the...
1: One throw of the, the starfish we, back, we, it makes a difference to that one. We've
5: learned, we've, learned a couple of, we've learned a couple of things over the last couple of years. What have we learned? One is basically like, we should be a little bit humble about the idea that we're going to move all-cause mortality in some measurable way by like, you know, Rube Goldberg, like, oh, we'll change the clocks and that's going to cause more people to live. And the other thing is that we, you know, we learned that like, you know, big I, policies a, that affect 330 million people... May have you know incidental effects on lifespan, but those are not the only thing that you measure in the process. We didn't, we don't. Complete, that's why we don't have a COVID zero policy. I completely. We shouldn't have a time policy that's aimed at,
1: at preventing those deaths. That is why this was a dependent clause for what I'm about to say, <laughs> which is putting that aside. Yes, there is another issue that I think is hard to uh, find in the data, and actually, I agree with you that sometimes these sleep experts that have their opinions, I think they're kind of. Yeah, it's wishy washy. It's fish, It's fishy data. You know. Yeah. Uh,
5: well, and also they like permanent standard time. They think permanent daylight saving time will kill people. Well,
1: I argued. because I them, actually to had one of these. Fucking, get out of bed I had early one of these the scientists. Yeah. He's a real scientist. So I don't mean to put quote fingers, <laughs> but I argued with him because I actually think. Because we've been living under this switch for such a long time, I think the science is kind of confused what the data says. They say go to switch to standard time. I think that's actually hard to justify. The reason I now you don't listen to the scientists. Like any good policymaker, I take the science into account and then think of a bunch of other reasons (laughs) that I want and make the decision that will keep me elected, which is what we fucking want, which I know you agree with. Yes. Now the point I'm trying to make is this: the thing that is hard to measure because we do the switch is there are ways in which I think systems, whether it's schools or businesses, would be able to have more natural rhythms that would evolve over time to reward better schedules if we didn't have to do this twice yearly shift. Because what gets confused in the twice yearly shift is there are some things people don't like about the time shift, which is they don't like the winter. But there are parts of the time shift that prevent us from doing the kind of natural adjustments that might happen. For example, there are studies that show that naturally speaking, offices on the western edges of time zone tend to start a little bit later, right? There are a lot of natural things that happen when people kind of get comfortable with a time zone. But we fuck with it twice a year. And I think fucking with it twice a year causes problems that are hard to measure and doesn't give people the ability to kind of adjust their schedules naturally rather than having the government dictate how their schedules should change in the winter. Maybe one reason it sucks that people have to get up in the dark and go home in the dark during the winter is our schedules don't really adjust to the natural rhythm of the seasons. There are things that could happen if we got rid of this policy. But I don't even need you to address that very smart point you haven't thought very much about (laughs) the point i'm trying to make is all i want to do is say if you think that the switch makes sense for a place like michigan that means that because states like massachusetts are basically an hour ahead if it makes sense for michigan to be on standard time it makes sense for massachusetts to be on daylight saving time for whatever period you're talking about so my view is you're right permanent dst nationwide doesn't make sense I also think permanent switching doesn't make sense for the country. Give states the third option so some states on the eastern edges of time zone can be choosing permanent daylight saving time like Florida, which you said makes sense, like Maine, like Massachusetts, and other states where, like Michigan or others where it makes sense to either keep switching or stay on standard time permanently will have that chance too. Can I get you on board with my compromise position? No. Fuck. No. But it was a good case, right?
5: Uh, well, well, so I just, I mean,
1: just tell me it was a good case. Be thi- nice.
5: The thing about this this Fuck. map that because this is a podcast, nobody can see the map. Nobody but, can see the map. But it says it's based on you're trying to have sunrise always no later than seven a.m. and sunset no later than six p.m. So that's mm-hmm. eleven hours of daylight. Your problem is astronomical. The Earth is on a tilted axis. You yeah. don't have 11 hours of daylight to allocate I much understand. of the year in many I, of these places. I, I understand. And so this is, you're mad about the tilt of the Earth. I am you're not mad, mad about that the t- there's t- not enough sunlight
1: I, in the I, winter. I, I am, frankly, I am mad and frustrated by the tilt of the Earth. <laughs> but I know that that's not a problem I can solve. Right. This doesn't say, let's get 11 hours of daylight everywhere. Basically, what this is doing is not saying you can never have a sunset before 6 p.m. or a sunrise after 7 a.m. It's saying, like, what's the best time zone for a place to kind of keep it kind of in the middle? And what it says is there are a lot of places that that would benefit from permanent daylight saving time, just as there are a lot of places that would benefit from either continuing to switch or being on standard time. Because what matters is where you are in the time zone, which has a big influence on whether or not daylight saving time makes sense or not. So my view is, just let states decide. But get it out of Congress's hands. Look, it's about where you are in geography. Just so, say it's a good idea. Look, I'm convincing you I can see it in your goddamn eyes. Again, this map that nobody can see because they it's They can hear product. it. They can look at tweet the Tweet the map. Tweet the map. The map says that you would adopt permanent
5: daylight saving time in Boston and Los Angeles and essentially every other major market in the country would either continue to switch its clocks or it would be on permanent standard time and I'm okay so, with that so Just this map the, this I, map says that what the Senate is doing is terrible that it, unless you live in Boston or Los Angeles they're fucking with you. half
1: the country I lives really, in these fucking bands you know what
5: <laughs> move the map off fuck them out <laughs> You could move Michigan into central time, you could move Florida into the Atlantic time zone with Nova Scotia, and you'd have sort of more natural sunrise and sunsets, but then they wouldn't be on the same time as New York. You know, New York is the center of the world, and everyone wants to have the same time zone as New York.
1: That's why... Well, Josh... Yes? I could talk about daylight saving time all day, but eventually a little laser sight dot will appear on my forehead, which is my producer signal that we need to go to break. <laughs> Can we at least agree that my compromise proposal is interesting to you. Just give me fucking something, you contrarian son of a bitch.
5: It's interesting how you picked five hours before noon for the sunrise and six hours after noon for the sunset because that's the thumb on the scale.
1: That's why, you know, you're... Thank you very much, Josh. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. Listen to his podcast, Very Serious. Read his newsletter, also called Very Serious, and I'm serious. It's great. Yeah. When we come back, a hero is born amongst the masses. And we're back. <laughs> Love It or Leave It is going on tour, and we have some incredible lineups coming up. In Washington, D.C., we'll have Damon Young and on Nanchurla. That show is basically sold out, but we may release a couple tickets. In Portland, Maine, we'll be joined by John Hodgman and Shonda Prescott-Weinstein. And lastly, in Chicago, we have an incredible giant show at the Chicago Theater with Vinnie Thomas, Ali Barthwell, Ashley Ray, and Peter Sagel is back. It's going to be an awesome show in Chicago. I cannot wait. I'll drink Malort. Get fucked up. I do like it. Their pizzas are casseroles. It's a fantastic place. And then the the locals are like, we eat the thin crust pizza. Okay, I'll eat that too. (laughs) Twisted my arm, Chicago. (laughs) Two kinds of pizza, what'll we do? Eat them both. Tickets are on sale now for these cities and more. Get yours at crooked.com slash events. We're also excited to announce... Stuck with Damon Young, a Spotify original from Gimlet and Crooked Media. On this show, award-winning author Damon Young explores the uncomfortable, hideous, and hilarious absurdity of being black in America. He's joined by some of the brightest minds and bold voices of the black community, including Nicole Hannah-Jones, Sam Irby, Jason Reynolds, and more. The trailer is live right now, and the first episode drops on March 22nd. It's an amazing show. Listen to Stuck with Damon Young for free, only on Spotify. Despite appearances... This is a political podcast. (laughs) It's very personally important to me that we use Love It or Leave It as a spotlight on forward-thinking, innovative, out-of-the-box politicians. So it is with that spirit in mind that I welcome a newcomer to the scene tonight. He just recently announced his, oh, presidential campaign. That's a bad sign. All right. Please put your hands together for uh, stand-up comedian, and in his own words, the future American Zelensky, Daniel Santaniel, I hate this already. Come on out, Daniel. Yeah,
0: there he is. Fuck. Yes. Hello. Brought your own
1: mic. Terrific.
0: Thanks for having me, John. You know, I came all the way from Cincinnati, and boy, are my arms tired of me taking them up to defend our great nation. Hopefully. Oh, no. Daniel, I'm going to stop you right there. Look, I understand a comedian pivoting
1: to politics. It makes sense. I laugh my ass off at the hilarious 1951 Ronald Reagan comedy, Bedtime for Bonzo, which opens with Reagan, a psychology professor, rescuing
0: a suicidal chimp about to leaf off a building. But this feels... Oh, you're absolutely right, John. It is a natural transition. By the way, that movie sounds hilarious. Now, the power I feel on stage, mastering the stool, making people chuckle, mostly with their mouths closed... That's the same power that Zelensky summons when he rallies his countrymen and women against the Russian invasion. He and I are exactly the same. No, you're not. I knew comedians were self-important, but this is ridiculous. Now, hold up. Think about it, John. Uh, In America, the comedian is the truest freedom fighter. Look at Chappelle. Look at Bill Maher. Look at Louis C.K., but stay out of the wide shot, am I right? (laughs) Okay. Jesus. (laughs) Boo! No. No. No, no, no. no, no. Now, Now, after performing... Two almost sold out shows at Hilarities in Cleveland last week, barely looking at my notebook, Flex. I realized some men were born great and others had greatness thrust upon them. And you know what I said? No, what'd you say? I said, ha ha ha, thrust. I better write that down. There's something there, you know, thrust in the wind. uh, Hey, thrust be the money. I don't know. It's a work in progress. Anyway, that's when I knew, John, I was ready for my rise to greatness after years of speaking truth to power. When have you spoken truth to power? I'm always speaking truth to power, John. Like when I point out that women be shopping. Come on. (laughs) Fuck. They do, John. They really do. Or when I released my hour-long special... That was very risky on how trans women be shopping. See, that's progressive. Trans women be shopping, as
1: they say. I guess you're right insofar as everyone in a consumerist culture
0: be shopping. No, I'm not doing the work for you. Keep going. Consumers be shopping, John. God damn it. Oh, you said, no, I'm not going to do the work for you. That's what she said. (laughs) Look...
1: Yes, we all know by now that Zelensky used to be a comedian, he appeared in numerous films, and famously dubbed Paddington's voice in the Ukrainian version of Paddington 2. Uh, I mean, that's the dream. But now he has to rally the globe around a Ukraine as they withstand a geopolitical abomination with no end in sight. That's the ultimate dream. Uh, No, it's not a dream, you sicko. Where is this coming from? You see another comedian getting something and now you want it? Is leading a nation in crisis the
0: ultimate? How did he book that? I mean, everyone has a Comedy Central half hour, John. Me? I'm looking for a much bigger stage. My fellow Americans... What's the deal with my mother-in-law? Oh, come
1: on.
0: I mean, why is she always getting stuck halfway inside the dryer like that? All bent over, looking so Stop. good. <laughs> no! Do you know anything about how to govern Daniel? No! But I've got a ton of awesome comedy friends that I would bring into my cabinet since I know they'll tell it like it is. Carrot Top, Andrew Dice Clay... One of those guys that got hired at SNL for five seconds before it turned out they said the N-word. I honestly don't even know if that happened or just seemed like it happened. Well, let's think about it logically, John. Would I be any worse than a former host of NBC's The Apprentice? Wait, you didn't vote for Trump, did you? No. Unless I'm touring in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, (laughs) Mississippi, or any of the other states that he won in, then yes, yes I did. (laughs) Because that's called politics, John. And I'm ready to play ball.
1: I get that Zelensky is inspiring. He is. He has risen to the occasion. He's shown a kind of leadership that no one could have imagined that few could see in a politician, let alone one who came to power in part because he was on a
0: TV show about an everyman who became the leader of Ukraine. Much like my Netflix show about a recently divorced insurance adjuster who decides to pursue comedy and hard-to-watch hookups after one semi-decent open mic. <laughs> that sounds... All right. But this, it sounds you good. want to know the title? Yeah, what it's was the good. the title? It'll adjust this.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't a TV show, Daniel. There is something fundamentally sick about the narcissistic way people have described their own emotional response as observers to what is a very real and awful conflict because what he's inspiring people to do, even if justifiably, is kill confused Russian children to save his country and because sometimes heroes die unceremoniously while they're asleep and sometimes evil people cannot be made to care or pay. Inspiration may have value, but it's an experience worth interrogating in yourself rather than turning a war into some kind of reality
0: show. Hey, speaking of reality shows... Catch me on the next season of Love is Blind. It's a banger of a season, although I get kicked out halfway through the first episode for asking all the women how much they weigh through the wall. Get out of here, Daniel Santaniel, a very real name. Don't forget to tip your waitress. Hey, there's a penis joke in there. All right, next time, I'm going to bring gonna, it out. Get out of here, Daniel Sant- Get on my shoulders, ladies. Bye. Get out of
1: here. It doesn't go that way. We're going to have to talk to our booker. What a disaster. Anyway, you can catch Daniel Santaniel at Hilarities. He'll be there for the next 14 weeks. And by the way, thank you to Tim. Go watch The Righteous Gemstones on HBO now. Come on. Tim Baltz, everybody. Amazing. We come back. It says here, sexy time.
5: Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way.
2: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style
1: Sex? What is it? I'm kidding. I think I know. I definitely know that sex sells, but what kind of sex? And to whom? And what is the price point? Can I return it on the same card I bought it with, or do I have to accept store credit and Kohl's cash? Here to tackle these hard, strong, beefy questions with me <laughs> is a very hilarious comedian and actress, one of the stars of HBO Max's new series, Minx. Please welcome Lennon Parham. Hi. Hi, Lennon. Thanks for Hi. being here.
2: Thanks, John. Hi, everybody. So
1: you star in Minx. <laughs> Which is a fictional take on an erotic women's magazine in Los Angeles in the 1970s. I did not know that women experience what scientifically is known as horniness. Yes. Is this like Game of Thrones, but a fantasy where women's desires are catered to?
2: That's right. So I'll be giving like a carcetti style monologue. Carcetti. On a, thank you, on a, like a large bed in a brothel and two dudes are going to be going down on each other <laughs> behind me, right? You guys remember the scene, Carcetti? right? Thank you. you. <laughs> He was, on the, he was the actor from The Wire. I, I, yeah, don't, I he, won't explain it. Google yeah. it. Google it. Yeah,
1: but it's gonna be sex position, but with dudes going down yeah, on each other. Yeah. Finally! It's Just 20- what I wanted! <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> Equal objectification.
2: The female gaze.
1: The female gaze and the gay gaze. Sometimes the same gaze, sometimes yep. not. Which brings me to my next question. Yes, John. This show takes place in the 1970s. 1972, Ob- yeah. Obviously, sexism and misogyny were a huge factor in the challenges these women faced. Okay. How much of a challenge did smog play?
2: I had a joke about smog. Huh. Yes, ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, I think I'm like heading out and I wanted to get out of there and I was like, I gotta hit the 101 before the smog rolls in. So look for that joke, guys. <laughs> look for that joke, huh? <laughs> it's funnier in like, you know, in context. Yeah. And I also have like a cool 70s outfit on. So
1: that's yeah. awesome. Uh, feathered hair or something like that. Yeah, a, yeah. Huh. No,
2: it's in an updo. I'm it's a up. Pasadena housewife, so it's very classy. That's cool. Yeah.
1: It's cool. The EPA. came about in that era as well. Oh, yeah. The show seems to be about feminists teaming up with people in porn to make something sexy for women. Do you think that's a harder project versus something for men? I feel like with men, you slap some photos of butts on a page and you're getting like 90% approval ratings.
2: Yeah, a couple of the magazine publishing companies called Bottom Dollar Productions, and they have... The the ones for men are Feet, Feet, Feet and... (laughs) Uh, Milky Moms, you know, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Milky Moms, I mean, everybody.
2: I just want to give a shout out to all the moms who listen to this, who are literally feeding and nourishing a child until they're six months old out of their lactating breasts, because that's incredible.
1: And apparently sexy.
2: And it's sexy to some men. Yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, your your question was about yeah. is it harder to make sexy moments for women? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like for, okay, for a woman, you have to check like a bunch of boxes, right? So like a centerfold, but also like there has to be like the right music playing and like you have to have not just had a fight with someone. It had to be like an easy drive Mm -hmm. and maybe like the Instacart just arrived, Uh you know? Um, Maybe you just finished your favorite podcast and someone made dinner for you. And then you could, like, open the centerfold, and you're like, ah, like, immediately, right?
1: (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Is there something sad about the fact that society has kind of moved past the sexy magazine?
2: Um, Is there something sad? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's so accessible, and that's not sad, right? Like, you can see what you want to see, how you want to see it, when you want to see it. So, like, hooray for sex.
1: Hooray for sex. Hooray.
2: Hooray. 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 So that's not sad. I mean, I guess like the loss of the magazine industry is a whole other conversation because that, like, I mean, honestly, if my Real Simple magazine, (laughs) that's your audience, right? They (laughs) all read Real Simple magazine. 100%. Okay. So if my Real Simple or better Homes and Gardens Mm -hmm. magazine had like some like sexy element, I wouldn't hate that. We
1: wouldn't hate it. It's a good idea. Hey. Hey. No bad ideas in a brainstorm, you know what I mean? What do you? Your magazine's pretty fucked either way. So maybe throw in a couple uh, sexy poses in there. Yeah, or See if I mean, it, works.
2: it comes to your house, it right? Comes to your you house. don't have to like do anything. Yeah. You're just like once a month, it's like a sexy surprise.
1: A little sexy surprise from Better Homes <laughs> and Gardens.
2: I'm like the begonias are looking good. Oh, hello. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right.
2: All right, we digress.
1: We've got a very special game today. Oh, yeah. About 1970s sexiness. And here to help us play, please welcome, love it or leave It's own Kendra James and Hallie Kiefer. Kendra, Hallie, join Lennon. Let's do this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Pop in a white (laughs) (laughs)
2: cloth. I'm horny and I'm prepared.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
2: Ladies. We're gonna slide off of this leather love seat.
1: <laughs> slip,
6: slide around on that leather. Yes,
2: a slip and slide, but lady style. You enjoying this?
6: We wrote a bunch of other questions, and he read them, and he said, "I can't read these questions." And it was like, what?
1: You should force there him were so, to read. You had them. some sexy questions. I did. Yes, he wrote some sexy questions. I sure did. I would we are love, at work. I would
2: love to hear those <laughs> later. Oh, okay, good. <laughs>
1: Ladies, I think after our brief conversation, I fully understand the straight cis woman's sexual psyche now.
4: Great. Because
1: I asked you four questions. Yeah. And now I get it. You get it. But I did want to dig a little deeper into a segment we're calling Is This Sexy? And here's how it works (laughs) Minx is about 1970s sexiness. And we're going to go through some famous images from the 1970s. Yes. I know if they're sexy or not.
7: Oh, okay. Okay. You, you, I know.
1: You're I just part. know. Tell us. I know oh, the answer. Right. Okay, the right the arbiter. Arbiter. Okay. I'm I'm not the arbiter in the sense that like I'm it's just the answer. Well, okay. objective. Yeah. Oh, it's objective. Sure. Like the answer and I'm sure. just telling you. What we'll it see it is.
2: about this. Okay. Great. And so sexy do who? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Got just it. sexy.
1: It's like a universal. Everyone finds the same thing sexy, famously.
2: Right. Sure. Burt Reynolds. I mean, Okay.
7: This is beautiful. I'm cold. This theater is cold. Yeah. Um, A frame house, Uh, that rug in front of a fireplace, (laughs) blanket, that bare chest just like coming over you. That mouthful of nicotine about
2: to to fill you with its glory.
6: Now, just for a historical perspective, this is uh, his 1972 (laughs) Cosmo um, centerfold, which she always blamed for him losing the Oscar for Deliverance. And if you've ever seen Deliverance, unfortunately, my main takeaway, because I saw it when I was young, is God, he's hot in deliverance, which is not what you should take away from deliverance. There's a lot of other stuff going on. I was like, Burt Reynolds, look up, like he has like a vest that's unzipped the whole time. Yeah. And he's hunting, he's spear fishing.
1: Oh, my I goodness. I like, who,
6: who's doing it? Hot, right. 100% hot. hot. I'm
1: going to say that that's correct. Thank Here's you. the thing about Burt Reynolds. There's something that I've observed over the years. Some men without a shirt look naked. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some don't. And okay. I don't know why it's a really specific thing. Burritos look so fucking naked. <laughs> Next, Chippendales dancers. This is beefy juice with, <laughs> with a bow tie oh, wow. and cuffs and just shirtless. Oh. There's is, not a redeemable face on here. Is this? Oh my goodness. Is this sexy? Yes or no?
2: I'm gonna say no. I mean, I had all of these haircuts in the eighth grade. And I asked people out to the Sadie Hawkins dance, and they all said no. So, like, this is a hard pass. That's correct. Now, for a little um, (laughs) historical
6: perspective, the cuffs and collar were supposed to be an homage to, like, the playboy, like, the bunnies. And you see it on them. um, They miss. It's very different. It's a (laughs) miss. Is that Fabio?
1: No, I don't think so. No,
6: girl, that's not Fabio. (laughs) It's Fabio's cousin.
1: Fred Williamson. With a very, very low-cut shirt and one of those 1970s, very, very big lapels. Yeah.
2: is one of the hottest men I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I would love that smoke to fill me. Oh, I'm my goodness. <laughs> yes, right. correct.
1: It's correct. That's correct. Absolutely. So
2: cigar, that's, for, that's a Cuban cigar. It's got to be. It's a little mini rock. And I did mm-hmm. read that Cheshire is back, so take we that. We did read that Cheshire yeah. is back. Take that into. Wait till you guys see Jake Johnson in this show, in Minx. He looks like this, and it's amazing. Cool. Yeah.
1: Like Jake Johnson. Me too. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Next. George Lucas. Okay. I know. 1970. Yes. Oh. Come on. This is
7: Kendra's yes. pick. I just want to <laughs> say okay. right up top. I just want to, I'm going to make an argument. I have Three points. Okay.
6: Famously,
1: famously, sexiness is something you can describe in point by point arguments. <laughs> the
7: argument is there. Mm-hmm. Full head of hair. Love that. Yeah. Okay. It was the 70s. Yeah. Yes. Uh, talent. This is him directing yeah, a new right. hope. Come on, come on. We yep. care about talent. No thanks. I know he deserves for me, me because he's currently married to a very successful black woman, mm. and that is hot. All right,
6: all right. He's certainly not a bad looking man. No.
2: Is he hot? Yes. Is he Sexy. It's like a Chris Christopherson thing happening. That's interesting. That's and a I'm really like, good sign point. me up. You know, like you have a ranch. You also like know how to make motion pictures. I love it.
1: That's cool. I'm
6: gonna say it, not sexy, but also I'm wrong. Okay. With that, both are true. <laughs> There we go.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Not sexy, but that's wrong. Uh, Chris Christopherson, do you remember that movie that was always on? I think it was called Millennium, where he is like a kind of gruff, I think, airplane investigator. And a woman (laughs) from the future comes back. And basically their whole thing is to repopulate the future they go to planes that are about to crash and kidnap all the people and replace them with fake dead bodies. Does anyone know this movie? Is anyone also, haunted just, by this, this fucking is just, film? You just saw
6: a snippet of what working with Love It is like. Does
1: no one know what I'm talking about? Are yeah. you yeah. telling me zero people yeah, here know what I'm on. talking about? Is this a Mandela no. effect situation? Does this movie uh, exist? Yeah. No. It Not doesn't one exist. Person. Chris Christopherson. He's investigating. He falls in love with a woman from the future in a yeah, world no, where they it's can't on, have children. It's, you had a you dream. Know, thank you. It's a dream. Does anyone here know?
7: You were
2: asleep
1: when Google this happened. Google it. <laughs> fucking
7: Google it. I'm Googling it.
6: What do you
2: mean when you say it used to play all the time?
7: I think he's <laughs> thinking of the like, WB Afternoon movie in great New York. Question.
2: Like, I would get it if it was like Elvira Saturday, like you took some NyQuil, you're not feeling well. The howling is on repeat, you know? <laughs> but I.
1: You don't think this was on all the time? <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Do the last one? Let's go to the last one. Go to the very last one. Okay.
6: Also, we came up yes, millennium 1989. You are it does exist. Yeah, hell yeah. We're in the wrong
1: decade though. All right. Uh, so unfortunately, here it is. our here last it is. choice on sexiness yeah. is Boo, but also is, is Ted Bundy. It's Ted Bundy. The pictures of Ted Bundy is Ted Bundy sexy. Uh, too soon. Too, too soon. Uh, Brian has described this on the oh slide boy, as Brian. drop dead gorgeous.
7: Well, do I know that he's killed a woman?
1: A woman.
7: Well, many women. Do sure. I know? Do I have that knowledge? Hot. Sorry, hot. <laughs>
5: Thank no, <you>.
1: Brian. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Not hot. Shame on you. Shame on all of you for coming tonight. Wait,
6: it. Just, just so we can be equitable. Do you think Dahmer's hot? Ooh, got, oh, that's worse. Oh, ooh, come on. We already did Ted Bundy.
2: Lennon. The BTK
6: killer?
7: <laughs> oh, Are we in for him? Not sexy. <laughs> not sexy. Not I sexy. mean, let's, let's at least go with, like, Richard Ramirez. What the fuck happened? <laughs> no, stop everything. L.A.
2: Stop home. everything. Okay. Lennon,
1: thank you so much for being <laughs> I here. I love you guys. <laughs> Everybody, please watch Ming's on HBO Max. It is awesome. When we come back, we spin the hyper wheel. This took a turn. Hey. Took a turn, Guys, give it up for Kendra and Halley. And we're back. Lennon is sticking around. Joining me again, Josh, Tim, and Pandora. Now it's time for the Hyper Wheel. On the wheel this week, we've got adult acne, coffee, Dolly Parton turning down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Los Angeles allergy season, great british bake-off electric trucks and hollywood premieres (laughs) uh pandora you are up first let's see what the wheel has in store for you It has landed on Dolly Parton turning down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and apparently you are offended.
4: Yes, I am offended, but I'm offended for the right reasons because Dolly Parton deserves every award that we can give her. Dolly Parton is our modern-day messiah, and she should have every award. We should bow down to Dolly Parton. We should try to live like Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton is so great that it's just like, she turned down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like honor. She's like, no, oh, I can't, because I don't really do rock and roll. <laughs> Bitch! Yes, you do. You're rock and roll. You're pop. You're everything, and I'm... Really, uh, I but I respect her because I'm like she turns down awards. I'm like I just want an award. I just want to win a challenge on a reality show that I've lost three times, and Dolly Parton's <laughs> turning down awards. And I I aspire to be like Dolly Parton, and I want her surgeon's number. And I don't want the boobs, though they seem very heavy.
1: They seem very heavy. Come on, Dolly Parton, <laughs> accept the honor. Sick of people turning down cool things. Take everything. Take it all, Dolly. Take it all. Give it up for Pandora Box. <laughs> Want a challenge in winning my heart. Tim, you're up. This is you. It has landed on electric trucks. Your position is effusive. <laughs> so deal with it.
0: I mean, yes. <laughs> electric trucks. This is the Trojan horse to bring the right and left and center together. It's a truck, it's so masculine. Look at all the things you can stuff in the back. That's masculine. Wait, it runs on electricity? I'm on the left, that's what I love. My whole thing is electricity. My solar panels, the plugs in the wall. You know me, a classic liberal. I walk around my house looking at every plug in the wall and go, that's my thing politically. I wish I could plug my car into this thing in my house. But my car isn't strong enough or big enough to crash through my living room window and plug itself in. Wait, you're telling me there is something that could do that? Electric trucks! Fantastic.
1: Green, but can still just mow down pedestrians. The dream.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's everyone's dream, Everyone's
1: dream. Josh? You are up. Let's see what the wheel has in store for you. It has landed on coffee, and your position is exasperated. Good.
5: Exasperated works for me.
1: Okay. Yeah. So... Wow, that's a performance. That was exasperated.
5: Coffee should be hot. When you drink the coffee and it's hot, it's actually aromatic and you can smell it and you can taste it. What do, what do people love about coffee? They love the great coffee aroma. You don't get the aroma off of a cold beverage. You get it off of a hot beverage. And also, when it's hot, that means you have to drink it at a reasonable pace, like an adult. You <laughs> sip your coffee, and yet people will get these fucking giant iced coffees, and they're like, oh, well, it's, it's summer. It's hot. I have to drink something cold. But well, like, when are you drinking coffee? You're probably drinking coffee like at 8 a.m. when the temperature is still reasonable. Maybe you're drinking it indoors where it is air conditioned you can have hot coffee even in the summer and yet all of these gluttons will just have this like giant
1: like Josh I want you to know something yes all across the country right now right wing governments are passing anti trans bills they are passing (laughs) don't say gay bills they are attacking our community they are banning the books by queer authors that is the most anti gay thing I have heard (laughs) in fucking weeks and I want you to know something every Thursday night I get a iced triple espresso with three pumps sugar free vanilla and a splash of half and half with a straw that I drink on my way here and then buzz around my house on the ceiling till three in the morning shame on you Shame Shame on on me. Shame on you. You're right. I can't smell or taste it. That's because it's basically a fucking IV, and I love it.
5: You know, people say this, like, gays love iced coffee thing. Isn't that just because you can't say gays love cocaine on Twitter? Like,
1: You can't say gays love cocaine on Twitter? uh,
5: Well, people don't like to. I don't
1: know. (laughs) Can't gays like cocaine and iced coffee? They can. They can. I consider iced coffee the cocaine of things you can have at work. (laughs) All right, fine. Josh likes that. I would just say, much like my position on Daylight Saving Time, if you want hot coffee, good for you.
5: I don't want the law against iced coffee. I don't want, like, the don't say iced coffee bill. All right. (laughs)
1: Lennon, you're up. Enough of Josh's bullshit.
2: (laughs) Okay, okay, okay.
1: It has landed on the Great British Bake Off. Oh, God. And uh, apparently you're apparently disappointed.
2: Okay, okay. When the fuck is a Great British Bake Off next season coming? Because I need it. I need it. And I don't understand why Britain generally doesn't understand how much we need to mainline it, much like gays and cocaine is what I'm hearing, right? Like, I need, I need, like, da-da-da-da-da. much like I needed the Downton Abbey theme. I need it to soothe me in times of war, in times of crazy mayhem and attacks on our children. I need. I need a German man who plays the trombone with his family out of a Brighton Beach window just because and then shows up with a kugel that will blow your mind. I mean, and I need the wit of a British host. (laughs) I need the wit of a British person that just, uh, you know, grew up baking curries. I need it now, and I don't know why the producing team of the Great British Bake Off doesn't understand. Get it to me, and get it now!
1: Now! Uh, I am up. Let's spin it. It has landed on Hollywood Premieres. My position is condescending. All right, well, I bring that to every rant, so it's fine. (laughs) I'll I'll be condescending right from the jump. It's not a big deal for me to go to a Hollywood premiere. (laughs) in fact i get invited to them all the time and once in a while i go (laughs) and last night i went to a hollywood premiere hosted by one of the biggest streaming services in the world for a new offering uh that is coming out very soon and i did you park you get your ticket you do the COVID test you You show them your your vaccine card. You show them your thing. You get your wristband. You get your ticket to the after party. Because, of course, again, just because I'm trying to be condescending, not everyone gets invited to the smaller after party. But, of course, I I did. I got it. And plan to go because I'm going to know a lot of people there.
4: Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Fuck.
1: And I'm telling you that what I saw on screen was one of the most beautiful and interesting and entertaining. I learned a lot from this show. I thought it was genuinely fantastic. There is a truly fantastic show coming out very soon. It is beautiful and poignant, and it is about diversity and adversity, and I was moved and interested. I can't wait for it to come out so I can watch more, and there's a reason I'm not telling you the name of this show, and that is because there was a snafu. And the snafu was that they didn't tell us that we needed a validation sticker (laughs) when we were leaving. And so I got up to the end, and I had to choose as to whether or not I would simply live in this parking lot forever (laughs) or pay $21 (laughs) to leave money that I would basically be using to subsidize one of the largest corporations in the history of planet Earth. And so I tell you now, and I think one of the reasons they invite me to such a thing, again, condescending, is because I have a huge audience. <laughs> it's fun, the cover of saying it's because the wheel told me to talk this way. What a, what a gift. <laughs> and I want nothing more than to tell all of you about this show and its name and the streaming service on which it will air. But I will not tell you this until that giant fucking mega corporation sends me And I hope they do because I really want to tell you more about it because I fucking loved it. It's truly excellent and it's coming out soon. (laughs) And that's the Hyper Wheel. Thank you all so much. When we come back, we'll end on a high note. And we're back. Here it is. The high note. Hey, Lovett. This is Lainey. I'm an ER nurse
4: in Atlanta, and as you can imagine, it has been a really horrible few
7: years, but last week I had a chronically ill patient who told me
6: that because I was her nurse, that it was her least unpleasant ER visit to date, and she even said, dare I say, it wasn't unpleasant at all. So, I will take it. The kindness of a patient
2: was enough to bring me to tears, so...
6: Here's hoping that we're seeing a return of kindness. Thanks again for all that you do. I love listening to your show every week. It's my favorite part of Saturdays.
5: Hi, John. This is Zane from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm just calling to share my high note. My wife and I are celebrating our five-year anniversary this week, uh, and I just feel very lucky to have found the person that I'm spending the rest of my life with. Yeah, so happy St. Patrick's Day. Bye.
7: Hi, John. This is Amber from LA with my high note. I work in sexual health care. I train people who work in clinics across the country. During the Trump administration, they changed the rules for federally funded clinics about who could do pregnancy options counseling and what they could say. We were no longer allowed to give specific referrals for abortion, and we were required to give all pregnant patients referrals for prenatal care. We didn't want to support these shitty rules, so we temporarily stopped doing trainings about pregnancy options counseling. In January, the Biden administration reversed the rules And last week, for the first time in over three years, we held a training for 54 people from six different states, teaching them how to provide non-judgmental, medically accurate, patient-centered options counseling for their pregnant clients. It felt really good and really necessary.
3: Hi, Love It. This is Adrienne from Wisconsin. My only note this week is
4: after 13-plus years of working in nonprofit establishments, My PSLS loans were forgiven. Um, I almost lost my mind when I saw $70,000 worth of debt be forgiven. Um,
3: I am
4: a first-generation college graduate, and I paid for it all, and this is a huge relief. Thanks, Uncle Joe, and thanks for giving us something wonderful to listen to
3: every week and making me laugh.
4: love it. I'm calling about my aunt who settled in Italy for her retirement just before the war in Ukraine started. I emailed her recently because I was just
3: concerned about her with prices going up in Europe and her proximity and I got this lovely email back I wanted to share. It says, Ashley, we left Cortina for the Ukraine border on Sunday to help with transportation and supplies for the refugees. We've been driving from Budapest to the border where we can pick up six
4: fun people and deliver them to the train station or a hostel in Budapest. Currently, it is 645 here, and we have two groups and one dog, one hour to go before we return to Budapest. Just so proud of her, taking advantage of being able to help while she's there, and I uh, wanted to share that. Thanks.
1: Thanks to everybody who submitted high notes tonight. To leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 213-262-4427. That is our show. Thank you to Josh Barrow, Tim Baltz, Lennon Parham, and Pandora Box, and everyone who shared a high note. There are 234 days until the 2022 midterm election. Have a great weekend. Good night, everybody. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer, and Brian Semmel is our producer. Hallie Keeper is our head writer, and Jocelyn Kaufman, Polavi Gunnallan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by SureSure. Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Caroline Haywood, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Narmel and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroot for filming and editing video each week so you can.